This is Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm back for another episode to talk about everything you care about in the world of college sports. I have a great show planned for you today, but first a reminder, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. If you like the show, I'd love if you leave us a five-star review. And you can also find me on Twitter, at Gorgon Sports, where you can find all my various musings and gambling picks as we go through the college basketball season. We are in the midst of basketball season, but look, football never sleeps. We want to stay connected to college football throughout the offseason as we head into spring ball, into summer, and then back into the season again. So what I'm going to start doing on a weekly basis is going through these conference-by-conference reviews. We're going to take a look back at the season that was, and we're going to start with what I felt like was the most fun conference in all of college football last year, had the most parity, had a ton of exciting games, anybody could beat anybody for the most part, and that was the Big 12. So let's take a look at how we thought things were going to go before the season. If you look at the preseason poll heading into the year, Baylor was the preseason favorite in the media poll, 17 preseason number one votes. Oklahoma was number two with 12 votes for number one. Oklahoma State third, Texas fourth, Kansas State the actual champion fifth, Iowa State sixth, and then TCU the runner-up and team that went undefeated in the regular season made it to the college football national championship, was picked seventh, West Virginia eighth, Texas Tech ninth, and then Kansas tenth. So pretty different results from what the media thought would happen ahead of the season. I think that's why this year was so fun in the Big 12 is because it felt like anybody could beat anybody on any given day. It wasn't like the SEC where you had Georgia at the top that kind of felt untouchable or the Big 10 where you have Ohio State and Michigan. It was... You know, Oklahoma is the team that's dominated dominated this league for years, but they had a new head coach. There was a lot of change within the league, and I think all of that change mixed together with some of the talent and unique systems in the conference to create a really fun league that was a joy to watch week in and week out. So how we're going to go about doing this thing is I want to do kind of a couple different categories here a couple segments i want to first start off by breaking the teams into tiers and how they feel about their season so i'm going to start off with who's happy who left this year which fan bases left this year feeling really good about what they accomplished and i think first and foremost when we talk about that i'm not going to start with tcu i'm going to start with kansas state because i think they need they deserve that respect as the conference champion an unbelievable year for kansas state went 9-3 and three in the regular season, won an epic Big 12 championship game. They did go and get blown out by Alabama in the bowl game, but man, oh man, if you're a Kansas State fan, you got to be loving what Chris Kleiman is doing. And most importantly, probably, you kept Chris Kleiman. Chris Kleiman's not going anywhere. He didn't go to Nebraska. He didn't go to Wisconsin. He didn't go to any of the jobs that were open. He stayed right there in Manhattan, and it seems like he's going to be there for for years to come. So uh, this Kansas State team went out, won the conference title. They beat Oklahoma for the third time in four years, which is becoming just old hat for them under Kleiman. 
And you got to love the position that this program is in. I can't imagine any Wildcat fan feeling anything other than absolute joy coming out of that season where you had Adrian Martinez at quarterback for a portion of the year. You had Will Howard, who kind of ended the year as quarterback, who seemed to actually be the better quarterback all along. He's a guy that's been on the roster for a couple years and who really came into his own at the end of the season and seemed like he was the better quarterback, gave them more options. Martinez provides something unique in the running game, but Will Howard seemed like he was the all-around better quarterback and uh, gave that team more options, and he's a guy that will be coming back again next year for the Wildcats. So, unbelievable year for Kansas State. Nothing but happy for them. TCU, the other team that can be nothing but happy. In Sonny Dykes' first year, I think everybody knows the story by now, went undefeated in the regular season, 12-0, and uh, lost a brutal Big 12 championship game to Kansas State, but nonetheless made the college ball playoff, beat Michigan, went to the national championship game where they got their doors absolutely blown off by Georgia. But look, this is a team that was picked seventh in the preseason by the media. You had a coach who was coming into his first year on the job, and you had a team that hadn't been very good, quite frankly, for the previous few years, and they went to the national championship game. That's Again, nothing but happiness for Horn Frog fans with the season they had. A couple other teams in this category. I think Texas Tech is the third team who is nothing but happy. Another program in their in its first year with a new head coach and Joey McGuire. And they finished seven and five. They beat Ole Miss in the Texas Bowl, beating an SEC opponent. Uh, in a bowl game, always big. And maybe more important than anything, they are starting to recruit really well. They finished 26th. Now that we're through signing day, we can talk about the class rankings a little bit more with some clarity. And uh, Texas Tech finished 26th, according to 24-7 Sports Composite Team Rankings. And that is so far above where they have traditionally recruited. If you just go back over the last five years and look at the team rankings, that you see some years where they finish in the 40s, you see some years where they finish in the 70s. So for Texas Tech to be recruiting like a fringe top 25 program is absolutely unreal for them. They are ecstatic in Lubbock. Joey McGuire really seems to have energized that whole program. Uh, They beat Texas this year, which is always big for Texas Tech. They finished with a winning conference record at 5-4, and uh, 7-5 in the regular season, got that bowl win to go 8-5, and and there's some real momentum in Lubbock as we look ahead to next season. So they are nothing but happy in Lubbock. And the final team who was happy with how this season ended was Kansas. Now, for most programs, 6-6 six and six is nothing to necessarily write home about, especially with a loss in a bowl game to finish under 500, 6-7. and seven. But Kansas isn't most programs. Kansas is a program that has struggled for a long, long time. This was their first bowl appearance since 2008. And much like Kansas State, their in-state rival, Maybe the most important thing for Kansas and the thing that their fans are are happy about is that they look like they have a coach in Lance Leipold who's going to be there for a while. 
He signed a contract extension. He didn't go to Nebraska, which was widely rumored. He didn't go to Wisconsin, which was also widely rumored, given his ties to a UW Whitewater, where he coached for for many years and won national championships. He didn't go anywhere. He's staying right there in Lawrence, and it looks like he's a guy who is going to be in it for the long haul and build this Kansas program up and to, to new heights. And you look ahead to next year for them as well. They are the number two team in terms of returning production. They return 91% of their offensive production, according to ESPN's Bill Connolly, which is number one in the country. And this was already an offense that was extraordinarily good when Jalen Daniels was healthy at quarterback for them. Uh, they finished on the year ninth in the country in terms of offensive ranking in SP plus, which is Bill Connolly's advanced analytic system that measures efficiency. So they were the ninth most efficient offense in the country, the ninth most successful offense in the country last year. And in large part, that was because of quarterback Jalen Daniels, who will be coming back for another year. And uh, along with many of his teammates on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I think, Kansas fans got to be thrilled making a bowl game for the first time since 2008. That's nearly 15 years and where things are going from here. So those are the team. Those are four teams that are unequivocally happy with how this season went. Who's mad? There's a couple teams. Really, I'm going to amend this. I think there is one fan base that is extraordinarily mad coming out of that season. And that's West Virginia. West Virginia did not have a good year. West Virginia went 5-7. and seven. They missed a bowl game. Their offense was not anywhere near what some thought it might be uh, with JT Daniels coming in at quarterback. Their defense was absolutely atrocious, finishing 104th nationally in SP Plus defense, one of the worst defenses in the country, and Neil Brown, head coach there, kind of seemed like he's on the hot seat, especially with a new athletic director coming in. He is safe for now, but West Virginia fans are not happy. And it's who knows how the, the future is going to go there at West Virginia. There's not a lot you can necessarily point to and say, hey, this is the fix. This is the obvious way that this is going to get better in Morgantown. So I think that is the one fan base that is really mad, upset, angry with how this season went down. Not a lot of positives you can point to if you're a West Virginia fan. I mean, even early on to start the season, they played their border rival pit tough, but couldn't come up with that win in week one. They did beat down a bad Virginia Tech team, uh, they got a, a win over Baylor, but outside of that, I mean, you look at some of these scores, four, a 48-10 loss to Texas Tech, a 31-14 loss to Iowa State, a team that couldn't score on anybody all year, and um, it's it's not great in Morgantown. They did get a win over Oklahoma, but by the time they played Oklahoma in November, this was an Oklahoma team that was really down and out compared to, you know, expectations for that program. So it's going to be interesting to watch West Virginia in the year ahead and see how much more time Neil Brown has there. So that is the one program I feel like is is mad coming out of the year. And then I think everybody else in this program, in this conference right now, 
who played football in this conference in 2022 because we're going to have some changes for the 2023 season, is best described leaving this season as anxious. So that would go for Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas, and Oklahoma, and all for kind of a, a variety of reasons. Iowa State, I mean, look, Iowa State came back to earth a little bit after a really unbelievable run w- under um, under Brock Purdy at quarterback and Matt Campbell as a head coach, who, again, Matt Campbell, a guy who probably had some opportunities to go leave Ames and, and hasn't, which is a huge win for that program. Uh, but But they came back to earth a little bit last year where they weren't necessarily – Big 12 title contenders. They were four and eight overall, one and eight in conference. And the story there was they could not score. They had an unbelievable defense. They were a lot like in state rival Iowa, where they had an unbelievable defense. They were sixth in SP plus defensive metric, but they were 110th in SP plus's offensive metric. And much like their their in-state rival, they could not score. They had a great defense, and they played games where the totals ended in 20 or 30, and it wasn't pretty. But I think this is kind of what you have to expect at Iowa State. When you have a year like 2020, uh, what was it, 2020, where they went, eight and three, they went to a Fiesta Bowl. Like that's that's the kind of program this is where you're gonna have these peaks and valleys. And then in 2021, not quite where they wanted to be, went seven and five, but you know, they got some big wins that year. They beat an Oklahoma State team. Um they went and played Clemson in the Cheez It Bowl, which is not the greatest bowl game, but still for Iowa State, these things matter. These things are important, especially coming off that 2020 season where they beat Oregon in a Fiesta Bowl. And I feel like this was just, if anything, this made me feel more confident in what Matt Campbell can do at Iowa State. Because even with a very bad offense, very poor offense, they they were close. They you know lost a game 14-11 to Kansas, 10-9 to Kansas State. 24-21 to Texas, 20-14 to to Oklahoma State, 14-10 to to Texas Tech. You make a few plays here and there offensively. If you just improve that offense to even slightly below average instead of way below average, that you're going to a bowl game again. Um, but I think there are some fans who are anxious about you know what the future holds now that Brock Purdy is no longer the quarterback at Iowa State. And what does Matt Campbell do next? How do they get that offense back on track? Oklahoma State and Baylor, I kind of want to talk about these two teams together. I think these are also teams that are anxious. A year after going to the Big 12 championship game, facing off against one another in the Big 12 championship game, Baylor won a thriller that year. Uh, They had subpar seasons by their standards. They were two of the teams that were right at the top uh, of the preseason media poll, Baylor picked number one, Oklahoma State picked number three, but both had significant number of first place votes where they thought like this, they, they, these could be teams that compete for the Big 12 and maybe even a college ball playoff spot, especially in a year for Oklahoma State 
where there was so much change throughout the conference, but you had Mike Gundy, still the head coach. He's been there forever at Oklahoma State. You had Spencer Sanders, an experienced quarterback, coming back at Oklahoma State. It felt like there was an opportunity for the Pokes to maybe utilize that consistency and get back to a Big 12 championship game again. And, I mean, there was a point in this season where they were the number they – they were ranked ninth in the country at the end of October. Uh, they had beat Texas to move to 6-1, and 3-1 and one in conference. And then the next week, they went to Manhattan, and they got their doors blown off by Kansas State. And it really felt like everything was downhill from there. This was a team that did get bit by the injury bug quite a bit, but now that this season didn't go quite the way they wanted it. Um, Spencer Sanders has, is transferring out. We're going to see, you know, what becomes of this offense. And it's not because of Spencer Sanders is leaving necessarily, but for years and years, Oklahoma state had this identity as this offensive power, this offensive juggernaut. And now two years ago, when they made that big 12 championship game, it was because of their defense, and you look at this year, neither unit was was exceptional. Uh, finished 30th in SP Plus's offensive rank, finished 64th in SP Plus's defensive rank. So neither exceptional units, and I think there are some questions on, okay, what does Mike Gundy do now to get this offense back on track? They do have Alan Bowman a transfer quarterback coming in previously at Texas Tech, then transferred to Michigan, now coming back to the Big 12 um, at Oklahoma State. And he's going to be in a quarterback competition there. So we'll see where Gundy goes, what he does to try to get this offense back to what it was when that was their identity. Baylor, I think, is in a very similar situation to Oklahoma State where high expectations coming into the year that just didn't quite get met. Baylor finishes 6-6 six and six in the regular season, loses the bowl game, and I think with Baylor, we really should have known early on that they just didn't quite have it. When they went on the road, they lost to BYU in that uh, double overtime game, and BYU did not end up having a, a very good year. And Baylor just was not the same team that they were in 2021. Much like Oklahoma State, similar in terms of where their unit shook out, Baylor finished 27th in SP Plus's offensive rank and 62nd in the defensive rank. So nothing exceptional on either side of the ball. Um, and Dave Aranda is kind of the polar opposite of Mike Gundy, where he's a defensive guy and this is a team that at times, especially at the end of the season, really struggled giving up. Thir uh, they lost their last three regular season games, 31-3 to Kansas State, 29-28 to TCU, and we'll talk more about that game in a second, and 38-27 to Texas. So I think these two teams are feeling anxious. These two programs are feeling anxious because they felt like there was this big opportunity with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the conference to establish themselves as the new premier powers in the Big 12. These are the teams that went to the conference title game in 2021, very nearly made a college ball playoff, and I think there was a feeling that they had a chance to establish themselves 
as the as the the top dog in this new pecking order. And what happened was TCU and Kansas State said, not so fast. We have something to say about this as well. So I think there's a lot of anxiety for both Oklahoma State and Baylor fans after a really good 2021 kind of falling back in 2022. And it kind of begs the question, is there even really a team in this conference that can establish themselves as the top dog for an extended period of time? Or are these programs all just so similar with the soon-to-be departure of Texas and Oklahoma that they're constantly just going to be falling back and forth and back and forth and rising and falling year by year. Now, the last two programs I need to get to who are in this anxiety category are the two big-name programs in the conference who will soon be departing for the SEC. They will definitely be in the conference for the 2023 season, and they may or may not be in the conference for the 2024 season. You know, that's still to be determined. Um, I, I don't have a guess on how it shakes out. Neither way would really surprise me at this point, but we will have Texas and Oklahoma in this conference for at least one more year, if not two more years. And this, these two teams, let's start with Texas. So Texas had an interesting year because if you look at some of the analytics and the metrics, it would tell you, they would tell you Texas was a really good team that got unlucky because they lost a lot of close games. And while I understand that theory, Texas has been losing close games for so long that I don't think they deserve the benefit of the doubt at this point to say, hey, you know, that's that's just luck. There is something about this program where they are not able to win these close games when things get tough. And I don't say that as a knock on Steve Sarkeesian because he hasn't been there long enough for me to say that's on him. But it's it's the facts. They've lost they so last year lost a game twenty nineteen to Alabama early in the season. It's a huge one. Then they lost in overtime to Texas Tech. Lost by a touchdown to Oklahoma State. Lost by a touchdown to TCU. And then lost by a touchdown to Washington in the bowl game. And in their wins, they were largely dominant. They beat Oklahoma and Red River forty nine nothing. They beat Kansas fifty four to fourteen. They beat Baylor thirty eight twenty seven. So they had some big wins. They had some close losses. But, you know, to, I talked about this with Brian so much during the season, that football comes down to executing, to blocking and tackling. And I tend to believe that the premier teams in this sport, the teams that can go and win national championships, are the teams that are going to go do those little things that they're going to execute they're going to block and tackle and they're going to win those close games I don't think it's an accident that Georgia won that game in the Peach Bowl against Ohio State so I understand from an analytics perspective that you know it's like okay they blow out teams when they win they lose close there's something here where they're just getting unlucky but I, I, I don't 100% buy that with Texas. I thought their defense was really good this season, but I thought their offense left a lot to be desired. And I did not think that Quinn Ewers was all that he was made out to be, especially as we came down the stretch run of this season. Um, I thought he was inaccurate at times. Um, and I don't know, maybe he was, maybe he was hurt. It's, it's very possible. 
that there was an injury that we're not necessarily aware of. But I just think about that TCU game where he went 17 for 39. And that's just not going to cut it. Uh, So I think there's a lot of anxiety from Texas fans moving forward. Like, okay, we're recruiting really well, like we always do, but we're still losing these close games. I think for Texas, though, there's a lot of hope. There should be a lot of hope. Because I think the way that they are building these highly touted recruiting classes, which, by the way, the number three recruiting class nationally in 2023, is a little bit different than how they were doing it when Tom Herman was there. Five of the 11 four- and five-star players that they brought in in the class of 2023 are in the defensive front seven. So they are they are building this thing through the trenches. In the class of 2022, three of its top four prospects were on the offensive line. And that class was ranked number five nationally. So I think the way they are building this, there's a lot to look forward to, especially as they go move into the SEC, because that's how you have to recruit in the SEC. You have to be dominant up front if you want to compete with Georgia, with Alabama, with LSU, with all of those programs in the SEC. So I think there's something there to me. The question is about quarterback, and as we all know, they have Arch Manning coming in, uh, nephew of Peyton and Eli, grandson of Archie Manning, and we'll talk about him more in a second when we kind of get to our burning questions. Last team here, Oklahoma, also an anxious team, first year under head coach Brent Venables. It did not go the way that they wanted it to. Oklahoma has been the standard bearer in this league. They have been the kings of the Big 12, the gold standard. When you think Big 12, you think Oklahoma dominating it. And Oklahoma went 6-6 and in the regular season, lost a bowl game to Florida State in Orlando before New Year's Day. Not what anybody at Oklahoma wanted. And that 49-0 Red River loss, I think, is an absolute haunting one. When you talk about this Oklahoma team, it was the defense. The defense was bad, bad, bad. 70th ranked defense in SP+. And Brent Venables, head coach Brent Venables, he's a defensive guy. He was the defensive coordinator at Clemson for the long time, for a long time. And uh, they always had great defenses there. So, you know, that's something he's going to have to get figured out. And this has kind of always been the problem at Oklahoma is can they be effective enough defensively where, you know, it just doesn't get in the way of the offense because the offense was good. Dylan Gabriel transferred from UCF at quarterback. He, uh, he ended up having a, a really nice season. He'll be coming back again next year in the offense ranked 10th in SP plus. But I think Oklahoma fans are so used to winning Oklahoma fans are so used to winning the conference, so used to going to college football playoffs, so used to going to New Year's Six Bowls, that it's hard for them not to feel anxious right now. Now, I think the thing that is making them feel a little bit better is much like Texas, they're recruiting really well. They hauled in the number four ranked recruiting class nationally, according to 24-7 Sports. And like Texas, they have an absolute stud, highly touted quarterback coming in in Jackson Arnold, who is the number eight player in the country, the number four quarterback in the country. So, you know, there's some positives there. Brent Venables has always been a good recruiter going back to his days at Clemson. And, you know, they did bring in a lot of talent. 
um, on on the defense as well. If you just kind of go down there, the players that they have, they brought in that are in the top 24-7, the top 247, uh, you have four of them, four of the six, are on the defensive side of the ball. So I think they are they're doing things to improve that situation. But again, after so many years of success, a dip like that will make a fan base feel anxious. So that's kind of the, that those are the tiers of of these programs right now. I'm not going to talk about the teams that are coming in, uh, the three teams from the American and Cincinnati, UCF and Houston and then BYU who will be joining the all joining the conference for the 2023 season. I'm not going to talk about them right now. They were not in the conference last year. But that's kind of how things shake out, how I view it, how everybody how I view how these fan bases, these programs are viewing the season that was got about half the league that was really happy, half the league that's anxious and one program that's really, really mad. All right, before we wrap up, got a couple more segments here. want to get to the, our game of the year and then the burning questions. So for me, there were two game of the year candidates, the big 12 championship game between TCU and Kansas state an absolutely thrilling game uh Kansas State comes away with the win in overtime I think even though Kansas State came away with that win what I will always remember from that game is Max Duggan just running down the field on that final drive in regulation to tie the game and just being absolutely gassed after he scored that touchdown, had to line up again for the two-point conversion try, which they ultimately got. Uh, unbelievable game. Kansas State came away with the win, but I always remember Max Duggan and his performance in that last on that last drive in regulation. The other game that I think is in consideration for the game of the year is a Week 12 game. TCU goes on the road to Baylor, big rivalry game, and they are fighting for their college ball playoff lives. They are down by two, and they have to run their kicker onto the field with no timeouts left to attempt a game-winning field goal try, and Griffin Kell nails it. And it was not an easy kick. It was a 40-yard field goal running everybody onto the field because they decided to run the ball on the previous play with no timeouts. And Griffin Kell runs onto the field, drills the kick for TCU to keep their dream season alive. We got to get a nickname for that kick. I, I like the chaos kick because it just felt like chaos when you saw everybody running onto the field. You're like, are they even going to get this off? And sure enough, they did. Drills it. TCU stays undefeated, stays alive. Those are my two candidates for game of the year. I'm going to choose the chaos kick because I love it. That's one of those moments you'll remember. I think we'll remember that moment for years and years to come when we think about the 2022 season. That Big 12 championship game, as good of a game as it was, I still think about TCU in that game even though they lost. So I don't know if that's a memory that will kind of deceive us in years to come. I want to finish this thing off today with three burning questions as we look ahead to the offseason and the 2023 season. And we'll have plenty of time to kind of get into these things as the offseason goes on and we get into conference previews ahead of the 2023 season. But for now, I want to leave you with these questions. Number one, will Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning be Texas's starting quarterback? And can either of them live up to the hype? We talked about 
Ewer's lack of accuracy at times last season. This is a guy who was previously the number one quarterback recruit in the country, much like Arch Manning. We talked about Texas's lack of offensive success at times and how their defense was really the better unit. Can either of these guys step up and play at the level that's needed for Texas to put it all together and finally live up to those preseason rankings, recruiting rankings, talent ratings, and really be a college football playoff contender. Number two, will this year's Oklahoma defense look more like a Brent Venables defense, or will they continue to struggle? Oklahoma, again, we talked about this already. Oklahoma struggled last year. But they they are bringing in a lot of transfers on the defensive side of the ball. They're bringing in some talent at, uh, at some freshman talent on the defensive side of the ball. And Brent Venables is one of the, regarded as one of the best defensive minds in the sport. So how much do they improve in year two under Venables? And I think that will be critical to not just their success this season, but their success as they transition into the SEC. And my third and final burning question is, just how much will TCU regress in the year ahead? They lose an absolute ton from this year's team. Of course, they lose quarterback Max Duggan, but there are six players from TCU on the Athletics uh, Dane Brugler's NFL draft rankings, top 15 players at each position. So there are six TCU players in the top 15 at each position who are going to be in the NFL draft. That is a lot of talent. And, you know, whether it's Duggan or uh, Kendra Miller, the running back, Quentin Johnson, the big time wide receiver, or even on the defensive side of the ball, where they have some guys that they're going to be losing a lot. If you look at their returning production for next season, it's low. It's 118th in the country. They only returned 52% of their returning production. So there's going to be some questions with, you know, what does this Sunny Dykes team look like in year two? They recruited really well. They brought in the conference's third best recruiting class for the class of 2023. But you can only expect a bunch of true freshmen to contribute so much. What I think is, you know, a little concerning for them is how Gary Patterson recruited at the end of his time there. If you go back to the class of 2021, which are now guys who will be juniors and should be major contributors in the 2023 season, they finished 54th overall in national rankings, which is just not quite good enough. And a lot of times with the recruiting, you don't see the problems that poor recruiting leads to until years and years down the road because, you know, true freshmen only contribute so much. It's more when poorly recruited classes become upperclassmen that you start to see those problems manifest. Now, uh, I should say Dykes did a great job in the transfer portal this offseason of bringing some talent in, and that should help them a lot. But I think TCU is bound to is bound to have some regression just from the fact that they won so many close games. They lose so much talent. Just how far they fall will be what's interesting to watch. And 
it'll be interesting to watch too because it it, it starts to we're going to start to see whether there really is this cycle in the Big 12 where nobody can stay on top for more than a year or two, or if one of these teams can start to fill that void that is going to be left by Oklahoma, where they can kind of establish themselves and say, hey, we're the big dog. TCU has aspirations of doing it. Right now, they are the closest, going to the national, uh, the college football championship game last year. Kansas State won the conference. They have aspirations of doing it. Baylor and Oklahoma State, two years ago, they thought they were going to be the ones to do it. So uh, that's another th- aspect of this. It's going to be really interesting to watch with TCU's 2023 season because I think their, how much they regress this year will help us understand a little bit more about how much this league is just going to yo-yo every single year. Now, this is not to say that in two or three years from now, Sonny Dykes has a few full classes under his belt and he has all of his guys in and they are able to build something that's more consistent year in and year out. But I think it would really help him and and help that process. You know, they had such a fantastic year this year. Don't let it fall all the way apart. Don't go five and seven, stick at seven and five, eight and four even. I think that will help so much in just continuing to build that program and maintaining positive momentum. That's our show for today. That's our Big 12 recap. Uh, We will have much more time as the offseason goes on to kind of dive into some of these questions, dive into some of our thoughts on the Big 12 and what to expect as we get through spring ball and start to get into the summer. But that is our recap show. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.